Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Romans chapter 5. Why? ask that question. Why did you do this? If you're a parent, you've asked that question 10,000 times. What? Why did you do that? I'm going to tell on, on JJ, but he, he was much, much, much younger. He, he and a, a, a friend were in the backyard playing, and we had a, a picnic table that that had one of those holes in the middle for the umbrella, you know? And and I was working inside, and I, I heard them laughing, but you parents will understand what I'm saying. They were laughing, but you knew something was wrong somewhere, okay? They, they were almost... Uh, how many know? I, you just know, okay? There, there was two... J.J. and this boy were outside the picnic table playing, and, and they were laughing, and I just, in my gut, I knew something was wrong, and I... I, I go to the, the, the kitchen window and I look out and, and J.J.'s underneath the picnic table and he has a sharp stick. And it's, it's pointed at the hole in the table and the other boy is on the table, okay, and he would stick his eye over the hole and then pull it away while J.J. tries to jab it with the stick. <laughs> And I'm like, I went out there, and at least he was on the right end of the stick, okay? But, but it's like, why would you do that? <laughs> Whatever possessed you? And they were just having the best time with that. <laughs> why? Romans, chapter 5, verse 6. I'm reading out in a New King James. We're really trying to get New King James on this program that we use to put it up here. I'm sorry, we just haven't been able to yet. They don't make it. It says this, For when we were still without strength, in due time... Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? I'm, I'm guessing every one of us in this room, doesn't matter whether you're, you're five years old or you're real old like John, um, you, you have a few why questions. Why did this happen to me? Why was I done this way? 
Why am I this way? Why was I treated like this? Why can't I change? I have a young man that just recent not a young man, he's my age, he's recently kind of full circle back into my life. He we haven't engaged each other in, in more than thirty years. He was actually the best man at our wedding. He was part of a singing group that uh, my wife was a part of, and Mike Jones was a drummer in, more than 30 years ago. And here, just, just in the last six months, God has brought him to my mind, and I've reached out to him. Probably sometime late this summer, you'll get a chance to meet him. He, he has spent a lot of years in prison for some things that he's done wrong. And... Um, God has put him on my heart, and I had to jump through a lot of hoops to be able to engage him, and he's in prison up in New York City and and uh, had been sharing emails with him. And an email we shared here just recently, he, he asked a why question. He said, I, I remember way back when you were going into the ministry, and, and you, you, you talked to me about my call and my life, and and why don't, why don't I just answer God and fulfill that call? And, and he said, and I remember you one time getting up in my face and telling me, if you don't answer the call of God in your life, you're going to make a mess out of your life. And he said, now here we are 30 years later. And that's exactly what has happened. And he, he has given his heart back to God, and he's on fire for God now as much as you can be in a prison, and he's... He's ministering to other other prisoners, and and he he just he said, I, I I wonder why I said no. No wonder what would have been different if I had said yes. Why? I think every one of us have why questions. Why, Dad? Why, Mom? Maybe an ex-husband or an ex-wife. Why? Maybe a present husband or present wife. Why? I think about the why question because this week, because God has just kind of put something on my heart. And here's a, here's a, a reality. We are living in a time when Jesus Christ is about to return to this earth again. And it's sad that many, many people don't know why he was here for the first time. And I'm, 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 I'm saddened somewhat that when I think about the reality that there's a lot of Christians, we don't know why he was here. And I understand the theological why. We understand that. We understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no removal of sin. Sin stays until blood is spilled. We understand that. We, we understand that the sacrifice of the blood had to be perfect. That's why you or I doing something for our sins can't fix the problem because a a sin against a perfectly holy God must be a perfectly holy sacrifice. And since that is something that you and I can never attain to, the reason why our blood can't pay the price is we can never give perfect blood. We can cut and bleed for an eternity and it will never pay the price for that sin. We understand that Jesus was perfect. He We understand that he was tempted in every way like you and I are, and yet he he never sinned. We understand he was the perfect sacrifice. 
But why? We understand, I think, that what happened on the cross was was not against the will of the Father. That, as horrible as that was, that was okay with the Father. This was His plan. In fact, the Bible says that before God even flung this planet out into the out into the universe, they had already devised this plan to save you and I by Jesus dying on the cross. We understand that. We understand that when Jesus was on that cross, that this was like a priest examining a lamb on an altar. In the Old Testament, the lamb had to die, and his, the, the lamb had to be perfect without spot. What, what they used to have to do is that every family had to get a lamb for themselves. And you know how cuddly and warm lambs are. I mean, they just are. They're dumb as a brick, but they're just, they're just, they'll, they'll just take on the nature of anything. We, we had a, a lamb that was orphaned by its mother, and so we, we took it in. We didn't have any other lambs. We bottle-fed it until it got bigger, and, and it, it got raised with our dogs. And we lived out on a farm, and, and so the lamb ran with the dogs, They'd go off chasing a rabbit, and, and, you know, there'd be one dog, two dogs, three dogs, lamb. The dog and the rabbit would take a big right turn, and the lamb would have to go, whoa, because they don't turn too good. And I I didn't know what to say. The farmer farmer one day said to me, he said, I saw the strangest thing. I'm out cutting the, the corn next to your property, and your dogs came out, and they're chasing rabbits, and... I saw your duchess, and I saw Rusty, and I saw, I forget the third one's name, and then I saw, is that a lamb? I said, yeah, it is. It just, it just, lambs are like that. They'll just follow him. And what each family had to do was, was every family had to get their own lamb. And, and, and this wasn't just one that was laid out in the barn. You had to bring it into the house. You had to name it. It became a family pet. And the kids, they name it. You know, the little boys would play catch with it, and the, the little girls would dress it up, and it became a pet in the family. And then after it had been in the family a certain amount of time, then the father had to take it to the priest, and it had to die. Ceremoniously, the sins of the family was placed on this lamb, and this lamb had to die. And the, the feeling of that, and then what the priest would do was, was he'd, have, he'd cut the animal up and he's looking for imperfection. If there was disease, if the lamb was blind in an eye, if there was, it was, had a bad leg, he couldn't be acceptable for the sacrifice. He, he had to be perfect. This was all a pattern that God was following. He's trying to teach us something. And then one day Jesus shows up on the scene and And he steps up over a hill, and John the Baptist, who has been sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus, he sees Jesus and he said, Hey, folks, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, this was was not just somebody's son. This was God's son. This was his only begotten son. This was a son that he loved more than life itself, and, and yet he, he allowed him. He made him 
come down here and die for us. Why would he do that? I don't know about you, but I, I don't feel worth saving. I, I, I love you people, but there's not a one of you I would sacrifice my son for. I wouldn't sacrifice my son for all of you. Don't get mad. You know you wouldn't either. There was a time that I had a real problem with my Heavenly Father. When I saw, thought of my Heavenly Father, I thought of my earthly father, and I didn't like my earthly father. I love him now. He's a brother in the Lord. He's waiting for me. There was a time I didn't like him because of the things he'd done to me. Nobody deserved to be treated that way. No human. And I, I, I'm, I'm studying for the ministry. and Man, people would say John 3.16, what it means to them. And John 3.16 used to anger me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I'd hear that verse and I'd find myself gritting my teeth. And I'd say, he gave his only begotten son because he's too fat and lazy to do it himself. That's exactly what I thought. I could see my dad sitting in his easy chair, uh, a brown bottle in his hand, barking out orders to his sons. But John 3.16, I hated that verse. Jesus and I, we got along fine. He was a brother, you know what I'm saying? But, but God the Father, no, nah, that ain't working. He's just too fat and lazy to do it himself. That's why Jesus had to do it, and... I'm literally studying to become a pastor and I can't stand John 3.16. God had blessed my wife and I with a little boy and our first son, Gabriel, and most of the time, you know, Gail Beth is the one that got up with him in the middle of the night to feed him. But this one particular time, I, I volunteered and got his bottle ready and went into his room and there was enough light from the moon shining through the window that when I sat down in the rocking chair, I didn't have to turn the light on and and I really wanted him to go back to sleep when I was finished, you know. And so I, there was that little baby, and he, he couldn't have been much more than a month old. And I remember holding that bottle and holding it and letting him drink him. And he reached up and he wrapped his little hand around my finger. His hand was so small. And I'm just feeding him, and I'm in the light of the moon, and I'm, I'm just loving on him. I, I said, God, thank you for my son. It's incredible that you gave that. And then the Holy Spirit began to share with me the heart of the Father. He said, what would you do if there were an angry crowd outside the door of your house? And there's a disease that won't go away unless somebody dies. And they want somebody in this house to die. How will you answer the door? I said, I'm going. The Holy Spirit said, could you send him? I said, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to send him. God the Father spoke to me and he said, I did. And then with a sense of humor, only the Father can have. He said it this way, and I know some of you have a problem with this. Here's what he said to me. I would appreciate it if he quit calling me fat and lazy. 
Why? We know, we know why he, he, he had to. We know why that, that our sins were such that, that only perfect blood can pay for them. We understand that. We understand that. We understand that when Jesus was on the cross, God the Father wasn't looking and saying, how did this all go so bad? This was the moment of truth for him. This was the moment that everything he'd been working towards was coming to fruition. And, and, and as he, Jesus hung on the cross, this was a, a, a lamb that was being examined for imperfection. You and I saw the crown of thorns being placed on his head, but what was taking place was the blood from his head was being brought out, and, and the nails in his hands, and the nails in his feet, and, and the whip on his back, and the sword, the, the spear in his side. We, we see just torture going on, but, but the Heavenly Father knows what's really going on. This is a lamb that must be inspected for perfection. Because as he hung on that cross, he was playing for all the sins we would ever commit with our minds. He was paying for the sins that we would commit with our hands. He was paying for the sins that we would commit by where we go. He was paying for the sins of our very nature by on our back. He was paying for the sins of our heart. Why? Why would he do that? Even Paul here is asking the question. He's asking a question that early part of this week, God was just kind of just rolling over in my spirit. Why? Paul wrestled with a question. He said, you know, maybe if there was somebody who was righteous, you might find somebody who would die for a righteous man. And maybe if there was a good guy that was really likable and and he was really well liked. Maybe you could find somebody to die for that guy. But who's going to die for the nasty person? Who's going to die for the people that, that don't even accept the gift? You see, I, I learned something. I, that day in that little Baptist church, when I made my way to an altar and I gave my heart to God... That wasn't the day that I got forgiven. I got forgiven 2,000 years ago. That was the day I opened the package. It was already paid when Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished, then all of my sins and all of your sins that we ever had done or ever will do were paid for. And we just, we just picked it up that day at the altar. But who would do that? You see, of all the, the, the untold number of people that have lived and died, even those that died without God, their sins were paid for. The ultimate of tragedies. The ultimate tragedy isn't that you... If one dies without God, that they go to hell? That isn't the ultimate tragedy. The ultimate tragedy is they don't go to heaven. And they could have. It's like in that commercial. I could have had a V8. I could have been a Christian. I could have served God. I could have enjoyed my life. I could have gone to heaven. 
All I had to do was accept. It was, as Keith Green says in the song, it's just as easy as accepting him in. Could have done that. Why would he do that? Why would he die for us like that? Why? Why did he have to know ahead of time that there came a moment in time when the last person in the universe that could save Jesus from dying, his father, said, son, you've got to die. I, I remember when J.J. was a child and take him to the hospital, doctor, you know, and they got to give him the immunizations. I know it only hurts for a few minutes, but don't you hate that? I know the needles are only that big, but when it's your kid, it's like they're this big. J.J., I'm sure he doesn't remember it. He was just a few months old, maybe eight or nine months old, and I'm, I've got him at the doctor, and we're, you know, we're buddies. We're, I'm holding him, we're playing with him, and doctor says it's, it's now time for the shots, and it's one of those ones that goes into the, oh. You know, when the needle's so big, the doctor's got to jump on it to get it to go in. It's just, it's just well, it seemed that big. And, and the doctor says, just hold him on your lap. And I'm holding J.J. on my lap, and the doctor just... And it all of a sudden, it struck J.J. And I remember him looking at me. I felt this big. The look on his face like, how could you, Dad? I'm your buddy. I wonder, wonder why Jesus did that. I wonder why in the garden, when Jesus is so fraught with what he faces, and he knows the ramifications of it all. And he is praying so fervently that his sweat literally began to be mixed with blood. It means the blood vessels in his face are, are so... that they're, they're bleeding, they're, the capillaries are breaking, and he's bleeding. And he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. And the Father says, Son, no. I know, I know we read it in King James language. I understand that. But, but I want to tell you, it wasn't that cut and dry. It wasn't this, let, Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will. But listen, it was, this, was he, this was an argument. This was dead. Are, are you sure? You've got to understand his perspective. From his perspective, he had never known sin. And the wages of sin is death. And he knows that. He knows that anybody who takes on sin dies. It has always been that way. It will always be that way. If there's sin present, you have to die. And Jesus knows that in just a few hours, they're going to put the sin of the whole world on him. And he's saying to the Father, are you sure this is going to work? What if it doesn't? What if somehow we have miscalculated what if what if in the last moment i give in to temptation what if i slip in my anger what if one moment the sacrifice is is not perfect and i'm forever separated from you not just all of mankind is lost i'm lost dad 
Are, are you sure there's no other way? Are you sure we can't come? Isn't, can't we find some other way? The father saying to the son, you know there's no other way. You know that. Like only a dad would know, he said, son, this pains me more than it pains you. I would rather do it my... There's not a father in this room. There's not a good father in this room that would rather not face an enemy than allow your children to face it. You know what I'm talking about. This was as much anguish from the fa- for the father as it is for the son. And there's a, this stress between them. And, and Jesus, he just, he's, he's just, he just can't get over this hump. And he goes back to the disciples and he said, Hey, guys, come on, wake up. Don't you understand? I need you to pray with me. This is serious. He goes back to the father and, Come on, Dad, I've got them praying. Well, there's got to be a better way. Are you sure? Are you sure we can't? Are you, are you sure this is going to work? Son, I've never tried it before, but you and I have never been wrong. Yeah, but the stakes have never been this high, Father. Are you sure? Son, we have no other plan. You and I decided this eons ago. We've got to stick to the plan. Dad, I can't do this. Go back to the disciples. Guys, wake up. Come on. Can't you pray with me? It's only been an hour. Come on, pray. Finally, he gives in to it. But why? Because the world would love him and embrace him? Many have. Most haven't. Why? Why did he do that? Why would you do that? Why would you? A number of years ago, one of my, our sons asked me a question, and he said, If I was sick and I needed a body part that would kill you to give it to me, would you give it? Yeah, I know. I got, I got sons that got problems, okay? I said it wouldn't take a moment for me to decide that. Dad, why, why would you do that? whole week, this has just been rolling over my spirit. I know it was prompted by the Holy Spirit, but I'm asking the same question. Listen, I understand theology. I understand eschatology of it all. I understand every most nuances of why he had to die, why he had to do this, why he had to do that, how it's prophesied. I understand all the theology. I get it. But why would he do that? Because we're so great. speak for yourself. I'm no price. I'm no price. And I really felt like all week long the Holy Spirit just kept prompting me. But why? As we went through the week and my mind's eye, I'm thinking about the, the betrayal and I'm thinking about the, 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 the accusations that were false. I'm thinking about his disciples abandoning him. It's like the Holy Spirit just kept saying, why? What is this all about? Why? 
And I'm going through my mind. Yeah, I understand. It was the lamb that was slain. I understand the payment for our sins. I understand that. And it's like the Holy Spirit just kept prompting me. But why? Because you see, that's all up here. about you. I did, I've done some nasty things in my life. Anybody else? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm no prize. So why? And I broke this week when the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. I was out back on the slide in the playground here. I'd seen the kids playing in it earlier and it looked fun, so. They didn't get stuck. I got stuck. But I was, I was Prompted by the Holy Spirit with that question again. As I laid there and I, I looked up at the sun, and I was just glad to see that orange ball again. And it was like the Holy Spirit prompted me again and said, Why? I, I didn't understand that that question had anything to do with this morning's message. All week long, like I typically do, I'm always saying, God, what are are we talking about? What do you want me to share with them? You do know it's Monday. It's coming. Hello? And as the week goes on, I didn't honestly know why the why had anything to do with this morning. Until I sat on that slide, looking up at the sun, and the Holy Spirit prompted me again with a thought. Why? Why did all this happen? And then God spoke to me and said, Sunday morning, tell them it happened because they matter to me. They matter. Every one of you this morning, you need to know that. Why? What was it that compelled Jesus? The Bible at one point said he, he set his face steadfast to Jerusalem. He was determined. My family gets frustrated with me sometimes. I tend to be a point A to point B kind of guy, you know. And they're not point A to point B sometimes. And I'll get out of the car, and then I'm just like, okay, we've been driving three hours. You knew we were coming here. You knew we were going to get out when we got here. I've been driving, and then I get out in the parking lot and stand and wait. And then when, when we, we start walking to wherever we want to walk, you know, it's just kind of shuffle this, shuffle that, and 
They even know what I'm going to say now. I know, I know. Walk like you have a purpose. Because that's what I do. At all the hospitals, you're supposed to sign up and get a little badge that, you know, gives you permission. I have walked into any hospital I've ever wanted to walk into at any hour of the day or night, and I've walked into every place in the hospital I've ever wanted to go to, and I've never had a badge. Even one time told some nurses when I got there, scrub me up, I'm going in. I've never been told no. I've never been asked to see my badge. I just walk in like I own the place because my father does. And so I go in 24 hours a day, anytime I want, go anywhere I want. God wants you to walk with purpose. Some of you have been living with people that don't treat you like you matter. Some of you maybe were born to parents who, to them, you don't matter. Some of you have a lot of mental pictures in your life that scream to you that you don't matter. But I want you to know the reason why the cross is the number one symbol around the world is because God wants you to know that to him you matter. Max Lucado put it this way. Jesus would rather live, would rather die than live without you. And so that's what he did. Because our sin had separated us from God, and he was the only way to bridge that gap. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. What does that mean? You need to start living like you matter. Because you do. You do matter. You matter. It doesn't matter how old or young. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what anybody else around you thinks. You matter to God. You matter to him. If there had only been one of us, the price would have still been paid. There are all of us, and the price was paid because you matter to God. So I want to I speak into your life for just a moment, son and daughter of God. Get out of the pig pen. I know what the pig pen's like. I lived outside of God's will and in the pig pen for 25 years. I understand. I understand the allure of it. I understand the attraction of it. I understand the momentary, the momentary joy of it and the satisfaction that comes with it. I understand all of that. I understand those things. But they're all fleeting. They're all fleeting. When... when when everything was quiet in my life, it didn't matter how much money I had in the bank. It didn't matter who I'd just gone out with the night before. None of that mattered. In the quietness of the night, I knew I was alone. And Somewhere deep in my heart, there was a beating awareness that there was a God of the universe somewhere 
and I could never convince my heart otherwise. The Bible says it this way. It takes a really stupid person to say to their heart, there is no God. Because listen, in your heart, you know there is. You know it. I just knew it. I just knew. I didn't know where he was at. I didn't know what he was like. I didn't know what I needed to do, but I knew he was there. And all of these other things that I tried to fill my life with, guess what? They didn't matter. I I don't even know how much. I don't even remember the names. Because it didn't matter. But you matter to God. He knows your name. He knows every hair on the top of your head. Even for those of us that are making it easy for him to keep count. He knows. He just knows. You matter to God. So this morning, I want to call you out of the pig pen. If you're living without God, that's all you're living in is the pig pen. It's the pig pen. Been there. Listen, I, I found out it didn't matter how much money. Before I got saved, I, 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 had, I had more money than any young man had any business having. It didn't matter the drugs. It didn't matter the women. It didn't matter any of that. None of that filled the void. None of that filled the void. Finally, when I found him, the craziest thing happened in my life. I found out that I mattered to somebody. Nasty little old me, I mattered to somebody. He loved me. I'll never forget as long as I live as I close. Those people around me thought I had lost my mind. You know, it wasn't up at 4 o'clock every morning to, to make money. It wasn't out partying late at night. It wasn't this relationship or that relationship. And I, re- I remember one of the guys that used to work for me. We're, we're, I'm four months saved, and I, I really can't keep my mind on work. I would just want to go home and read my Bible. I want to go talk to God. I can't wait for church to happen again. And I remember one of my guys looking at me and saying, happened to you? And he goes, what about all that money? I don't care. I really don't care. Yeah, but what about her and her and her? I don't care. It doesn't matter. They don't matter to me anymore. What matters to me is God because I matter to him. You matter to God. greatest tragedy in life should your life end and you not be in a relationship with God, the greatest tragedy is not that you will spend an eternity in hell is that you didn't have to do that you mattered to God and you pushed that away the, the only test to get us into heaven is what did you do with Jesus What did you do with it? There's a reason why this is the most celebrated event around the world than it has been for 2,000 years. It's the greatest event in all of history. Nobody can rightly say, I didn't know Jesus died. We all know he did. What did we do with that? Would you stand your feet this morning? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. 
More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.